Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I've been talking to Pastor Tony and going, something's happening in the worship. Mind you, it might have been happening before. I've just been here a short time. But I'm certainly getting blessed because I, I go to a lot of places and not so much lately. And um, it's a little bit sometimes karaoke church. You know, do your three bright choruses and the latest Hillsong song and then the announcements. And it's a bit like so predictable. And I think God is more creative than that. And we should come every Sunday with a sense of expectation that he's going to show up. I guess if I was to give a a title for this part of my message as part two from last week, it would be just that. Let's make room for him. It'll be really what we've been singing. In fact, we could probably close the meeting right now and go and have coffee and go, "We we got the message. Do you know, I could go home with that and it can transform my life by responding to the cry of those words in the song. As a way of revision, if you weren't here last week, I spoke about the fact that there's a big shift coming in the Western world, especially in the Western world, from biblical Christianity, we've gone for a long time to what I call secular churchianity, but the good news is it's turning around again and there's a coming home. There's a sense of the gospel getting clarity. You know, a few years ago, uh, and I may have shared this with some of the leaders a long time ago, but a few years ago, a reporter from USA Today magazine or newspaper in America went out to, as an atheist, went out to prove that Christianity was dying. And he wanted to prove that Christianity was on the way out. And as he interviewed thousands and thousands and thousands of people across America over a long period of time, he said there are three types of people that call themselves Christian. Some of them are people that were born into a family that was Christian. So, well, I'm a Christian. My parents were Christian. They don't have any change in their life because of that. It's just how they identify themselves. He said that group is really not even wanting to call themselves Christian anymore and that group is dying. He says, then I found another group and they were traditional Christians, that's what he called them, that go to church maybe once every eight weeks. They... um, you know, would go Christmas, Easter and are looking for a place for their kids, looking for a place where their kids can get some good moral help and boundaries in life. And he goes, that group has no effect on anyone and it's still a very traditional Christianity. And he goes, those two groups of people are dying really, really fast. He said, but I wasn't expecting the third group. And the third group was mainly found amongst the Hispanic people, but all kinds of people, but he called them conversion Christians. He said they are the people that their Christianity is their worldview. Their Christianity is how they do life. Their Christianity is not a religious belief, it's a behaviour. He goes, that group's not falling apart, it's growing rapidly. And he said, the conclusion I came to was that Christianity is not dying, it's just being clarified. It's being clarified. And I wanna submit to you today out of a loving heart 
that even through COVID, it's the voice of God trying to clarify what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And it's exciting. It brings miracles into our lives. You know, when I walk with Jesus, it's not a a, a stodgy walk. It's a great walk. And and I have divine appointments with people and I see God intervene into the lives of people. And I go, why wouldn't everybody want this? It's so, so good. I shared with you the first time I spoke that when COVID happened, I discovered this thought came to me that there are four kinds of responses to COVID. Some people will be church leavers. Some people will be church cleavers. They want the old that we used to have because they feel comfortable with that. They would rather have a program carry them than a personal conviction themselves. Doing God in the second person. Church leavers, church cleavers. But I saw a picture in my mind and I'm already seeing it happen. This is nearly a year ago that there would be Christ followers and Christ seekers. Christ followers are people that are sick of just tradition and religion and go, I wanna walk with Jesus. I I wanna know what it's like to walk with Him. And they are Christ followers, but Christ seekers are multitudes out there in the community that are sick of what the world's got to offer. There's nothing working out there. I was watching this morning on the news of the richest men and women in Hollywood on sunrise this morning and talking about their, you know, $150 million houses, Sylvester Stallone, and and now he's downsizing to a $40 million house, you know. And, uh, And I'm reading this and I'm sitting there and I can honestly say this, I wasn't jealous one bit. I thought, just the cleaning bill, eh? I go, you can only sleep on one bed. You can only wear one pair of trousers at a time. Unless you're playing golf, you wear two in case you get a hole in one. Oh, no. (laughs) Hadn't even, that just came. You guys are bad, you'd take it out of me. but (laughs) Christ seekers, people have had it with the world and they don't want fake religion. They don't want churchianity but they want the truth of who Christ is and the people that serve Him are not perfect. They've got flaws. They're broken but open. That's what's happening right now. And I discovered that church leavers and church cleavers are takers in life. I don't get anything out of it. Has it ever dawned on you that it's not all about you? Has it ever dawned on me it's not all about me? You know, and I didn't get it. The worship's not my style. And, 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 I, and not, nobody spoke to me. Well, the last time I read the Bible on this subject, if you want to be friendly, be friendly. You know, and you just push yourself out there and make yourself known. But you see, church leavers and cleavers are takers, but Christ followers and Christ seekers are givers. And when I go into a church or go into a restaurant or go into a building, I look to how I can give of my words of encouragement, of my noticing the good things that people do. To be able to go up to a waiter or a waitress like I did this week who served us, that's their job. But they did it with a smile and they did it with a sense of passion. And I said, I just wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for how well you, oh really? Like people don't expect to be encouraged, you know? And I really think that this is a new day where God 
has been shaking and will continue to shake the church. But listen, God never shakes to hurt. He only shakes to heal. God will never address the church without wanting it to be better uh, and to be more a reflection of who He is and for us to have a joy that we want to and not have to follow Him. We talked last week about the difference between churchianity and Christianity and towards the end of the message, even though it was rushed a bit, and I apologise for that, I didn't think I was coming back and I was trying to get in as much as I could, but I was asked to come back today and I'm really grateful to be able to open it up a bit more slowly so you can get it. And I made the comment towards the end, the answer to go from churchianity to biblical Christianity is to embrace the great commandment and to embrace the great commission. And so we're gonna read today, Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Two parts to the great commandment. The first part is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I wanna prophesy today, you judge it, but I've been in church a long time. I went to church nine months before I was born, so I've been around a while. And in church, I've seen shifts come and go. But the last 20 years or maybe even 30, the modern church has put a lot of emphasis and at the beginning we needed to. A lot of emphasis on management, a lot of emphasis on leadership. But in the process, we've lost lordship because we're not an organisation, but we've got to be organised. You know, we're not just a corporation, we're the body of Christ. And there's a balance between all those elements. And so what happened is we've preached a lot about the Great Commission so we can fill our buildings And so we can have multiple campuses all over the place and say, we are growing in the Great Commission. But God is the God of order. And if we don't get the Great Commandment right, then we won't be able to really do the Great Commission. And what's happened is in the last 20, 30 years, we've concentrated on the second half and we've lost some of the first bit about love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now this may sound self-serving. Please forgive me because it's not my heart to say that. I make a lot of mistakes, but I love Jesus Christ. I love Him more than I love the church, but I serve the church because I love Jesus. So when the church hurts me, Jesus doesn't. So I can keep serving whether I get hurt or not, because I don't serve the church. I serve the Christ of the church. And if the church gets it wrong, I don't lose Christ. 
I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. And when a doctor is in your room saying that you may have to talk about life support and they sit next to my wife and say to her, you need to have this conversation 24 blood transfusions later. We're not sure if you're gonna make it. Love the church doesn't cut it, friends, unless it starts with love the Lord. And at that moment, I had to put my trust in the one that doesn't treat me like a spiritual guinea pig he experiments with, but someone who's got my best interest at heart and knows everything about me. <laughs> Has it ever dawned on us that in Acts chapter 20, uh, sorry, 13 verse 22, it says, and David was a man after God's own heart because he did everything God asked him to do. That's what it says there. But boy, he did a lot of stuff God didn't ask him to do. He committed adultery, tried to get the husband killed. I mean, you look at his story and you go, if there's hope for him, there's hope for all of us. Why was he called a man after God's own heart? Because every time he stuffed up, he had this posture, search me, oh God. If there's anything in my motives, if there's anything in my mind, if there's anything in my manner that breaks your heart, God, go for it. Clean me up. And every time he fell, we see that it wasn't perfection that God looks for, but it was direction. God doesn't look for us to have a perfect life because we make mistakes. As I've told you in the past, on one decision away from becoming a total idiot. So, you know, only one decision. But you know what? Every time I've fallen, I still know He loves me. You see, the, the, the reason why David could say that is in Psalm 139. He says to God, you knew me before I was born. If I go and hide, you'll find me. And because you've got my best interest at heart, go for it. Search me, oh God. I'll make room for you. And so I believe loving the Lord thy God with all our heart, with all our mind, is the true definition of worship. Worship isn't just music. Worship is obedience with a spirit of yes. What I've tried to do all my life when I feel God is challenging me to make some shifts, hand over your church at the greatest time, job security, money coming in to support us, hand over your church. I had to have a posture that said, yes, Lord. But that yes was decided before the question. Our yes doesn't start when the question comes. Our yes starts when we surrender and say, God, I give you my life not knowing what you're gonna ask me to do. But I'll give you my yes. And that changes everything. You see, when we have a genuine walk with Jesus, it flows out of us naturally. It's not forced and it's not a have to, it's a want to. 12 years in a menswear store in Victoria Square Arcade. And I was asked to run a home group. I said to Pastor Andrew Evans, what's that? I didn't even know what it was, what a connect group was. We call them now connect groups. But to have over 200 young people come through a 21 Mary Leonard Drive, Ingle Farm, small government house, nine squares, 
to have 200 kids over a year come through our home just because we said yes. Remember there were times when Sharon would say to me, because I think a lot of kids came through our home because she cooked a lot of food. (laughs) And it didn't help that we fasted on the Wednesday of the home group and then broke it with supper. And I remember one day she says to me, I got no money. We used to get those little tip top muffins and make little bacon and pineapple pizzas. There's always going to be something about food when I speak, as mentioned. And she got, got no money. She goes, I just got $20, but I had to pay some bills today. And, you know, I, I, you know we'd not got much in the house and we're running short. And kids came into the home, young people with no money, brought food because we didn't have it that particular night. And they brought food themselves, which they didn't normally do. And one of the young guys goes up to Sharon in the kitchen and gives her an envelope. She goes, it's not much, but I just want to give you this, $20. Sharon and I looked at each other and go, how good is God? He knows what we go through. And 200 kids came through that home. Four Corners did a whole story on all these young people that come into homes. We, had to sp- we started multiple campuses. So we'd get to about 15 kids and we'd start another home and then 15 kids, another home. And we just kept more and more homes. But I worked in a menswear. I used to fall asleep on the bus and our house was one stop before the last stop. And many times I walked home from the last stop. (laughs) But there was a joy about it. There wasn't man alive. What does the church want out of me? That wasn't even considered. I led someone to the Lord who walked into the menswear store to buy clothes. Asked him to come to my house for lunch on a Saturday afternoon. He came in on a Saturday morning. Was about to leave Adelaide the next day. Came to youth group at Clemsick that night with me. Gave his life to Jesus. Stopped travelling. Came from Canada. Was, was looking around Australia. He was a bit of a tree hugger and, you know, sort of save the trees and save the whales and all that stuff. And he was trying to find himself. Led him to Christ that night got filled with the Holy Spirit the next day, started Bible school on Monday, married a girl in the church a year later. It was a bridal college. And so he found a girl and got married and still living in Adelaide today. His family overseas came to Christ. They flew over from overseas to come and meet Sharon and I because we'd led their son to the Lord. They wanted to know what had happened. A menswear salesman. I didn't send a bill to the church going, I'm doing your work for you. It was a joy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. We started a band called Emmanuel. First group in Australia to sing in the Holy Spirit, four chord progression. We started to teach worship. We would drive to Melbourne on a Friday to do three songs at a camp, at a a Beulah Heights camp in Melbourne and then drive all the way home so we could go to work on Monday. And we didn't go, do we have to do this? There was a joy. You don't believe I was a singer. Well, I used to sing with Pastor Freddie and my wife. We had a trio as well. I'll show you a photo. You won't believe it, but if we can put the photo up. There you go. That's me in the middle. Hair today and gone tomorrow, but anyway. (laughs) Pastor Freddie and look at my wife, Sharon. You don't know how to take that, but anyway. We loved it. It was a privilege to honour Jesus and serve Him. 
three days a week. I would meet with four guys at lunchtime. One was a printer. One worked in a government department. Another one worked for SGIC. I worked in the menswear. And there's a church called Pilgrim Church in Flinders Street. We asked if we could use the attic upstairs so we could pray. We would get up into that attic. We would sing. We would pray. And three weeks in, we got kicked out because we were too loud. You're too loud. We don't, you're disturbing the uh, bingo thing downstairs. And so, you know, we got chucked out. Those guys all ended up in full-time service for Jesus many years later. And we still remember those days of how we used to gather at lunchtime to love the Lord thy God with all your soul, with all your mind, with your heart. And I believe that's coming back. Our love for God is evidenced by our posture of Yes, in Exodus 25, when the children of Israel were asked to bring offerings for the building of the tabernacle, the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings, accept their contribution, or sorry, accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Accept the contributions of all whose hearts have been moved to offer them. As I told you last week, there was a pastor in tears with me this week. Going, I just can't get volunteers anymore. And I know this is not the case at Victory. I know that. So please hear my heart, but hear the message today for our future journey together. He goes, I can't get people to come and help. And it was so sad. And I said to him, start a church within the church and look for those whose hearts are willing. Look for those who've had a revelation of who he is. Because when you've had a revelation of who you, you, he is, there's, an, uh, there's a posture of yes. In Genesis 22, you know, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, God calls him and immediate response is yes. How in tune was Abraham to be postured towards a yes? I'd like to be the kind of person where God says, hey, Danny, and I go, yes. Because I want to have that posture he says, I want you to take your son and I want you to kill him. And he goes, yes. Now, maybe a lot of fathers would feel like the way their sons behave. If God says, kill your son, you go, yes. You know, but I mean, <laughs> he gets up early in the morning. What a yes is that? You're going to kill the son that was promised. You're going to kill the son that you waited all those years for. And you don't even say, what are you doing, God? I thought you said... And this is my son of promise. And now you're telling me to kill him? No, he just said yes. He got up early in the morning. And if you read the story, after a couple of days, as they move towards the mountain where he's going to kill his son, he takes the wood for the sacrifice and puts it on his son's shoulders. Now, if I was going to kill my son, I thought maybe I should carry the wood. He takes the wood for the sacrifice. And puts it on his shoulders. And I've shared this here before years ago. But some of you haven't heard this. And we need to this morning. Because this is not a sermon for me. It's a truth I live by. When we started Edge Church. And had to borrow millions of dollars. And had to step out in faith. And we needed a half a million dollars in one offering. Just to pay the deposit. And you, many of you know that story. And I'm not the sort of guy that takes those kind of risks. But my heart was yes. And I remember the first time I saw this. 
God says to Abraham, take your only son. But he had two sons. And I said, God, why did you say take one? Why didn't you say take one of your sons? Why did you say take your only son? He said, because I'll only speak to you about what I birth in you. I won't speak to you about what you birth in the flesh. See, he birthed another son out of his own endeavours. It wasn't in view of what God had done for him and what God had promised him, but it was out of his own flesh. And God will never speak to us about what we try to make happen. But when we say yes to what he wants to happen, he absolutely comes into the party. And you know what? I remember reading this and I hope you hear my heart because I'm not into making people slaves. But he said to me, Danny, in any vision, in any mission, there are those that carry the burden and there are those that carry the wood. You see, what's heavier? Kill your son? I think that's a heavy burden. That yes to God would have cost Abraham everything, not knowing, although in his heart, he knew God would come through in the end. But if I was told to kill my son, I remember when I was told to build the vision down south, when I'm not a, I wasn't a management person, I wasn't a leader, I was a menswear salesman. It was harder to carry the burden to lay in bed at night and go, how are we gonna do this? My wife would say to me, you, this is killing you. You're worrying too much. God's gonna come through, we'll be fine. Sometimes people that carry the wood by doing car park and, and catering and keeping the building clean and they go, well, it's all right for those guys. It's all right for them to get up and preach. We're here doing all the wood, uh, doing all the work, sorry. But you know what? When we all have a yes to Jesus, some of us will carry the burden and others will carry the wood and they are heavy in their, on their own. But when God's in the picture, you all end up worshipping and you'll all come back having been delivered by God into His purposes that He has for you. How awesome is that? And so I believe love the Lord thy God with all your heart is about a yes to God before it's a yes to the church. It's a yes to God first. In Exodus 21, they had love servants, they had bond servants. The people of Israel could take on these the slaves that would work for them. And it says, after six years, let them go. Go and read the story. I haven't got time this morning to go there, but let them go after six years. But if the master says, I love my master, I don't wanna go, then he becomes a love servant for life. I wanna be a lifer. I don't wanna do my seven year itch. Six years of have to commitment to the things of God and they go, I need a break. Do you know how many pastors need lots and lots and lots and lots of breaks? Because they're burning out. They're burning out. Because it's become for some a have to. But I want to tell you when it's a love to. And it says, I love my master. And then talk about getting your ears pierced. He gets a massive thing pushed through his ear so he could be marked for life. Because he goes, I don't want to leave my master. I want to stay. At my son's funeral, two very famous preachers came up to me and both said to me, if this had happened to me, I could not go on. It broke my heart. Because well, where do I go? Do I become a Buddhist now? Do I become a Hare Krishna? I'm starting to look like one, but anyway, more like a Buddha. <laughs> 
Where else can we go? He's the only one with the words of eternal life. And I want to be a love slave of Jesus Christ. And that's not gonna burn me out. That's gonna burn me on. That's gonna give me purpose. In Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah says, when King Uzziah died, I then saw the Lord. King Uzziah was an incredible king. For about 60 years, there was peace in Judah. He had absolutely done a great thing. And then he dies. You know, sometimes the greatest blockage to seeing the Lord is all the nice things that are in our world. It's not always problems. It's all the nice things. King Uzziah had to die and then Isaiah saw the Lord. This morning, I ask us, what needs to die in our lives before we see the Lord? Because before he said, here I am, send me. He saw the Lord. And I believe that's what's happening right now in Australia, around the world, where people are coming back to who Jesus is and serving Him as a joy, not a chore. It's a privilege. It's an awesome thing to do. In John chapter 5, 16 and 17, Jesus says, My Father never stops working, so why should I? What? You never stop working? Well, Jesus never saw doing what He did as work. They were accusing him of healing on the Sabbath. He couldn't help himself but heal because of his love and compassion for broken people. I spend more time in cafes, as you can see. I spend more time in restaurants with people that churches don't see. Why? Because I don't see it as work. I don't have a clock on time and a clock off time. Why? Because I see the Lord. And when he's high and lifted up, the great commandment is not a big chore. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. But then it says you've got to love your neighbour as yourself. And I've run out of time. So, um, and that, that's sort of, you know, story of my life. But is love your neighbour as yourself. Friends, too many people are looking for ministry when we are ministry. Every one of us is ministry. And the way we look up, you know, we started a cafe at Edge Church years ago and people would line up for coffee and they wouldn't talk to the person in front of them or behind them and getting fed up that they're taking too long to get their coffee. I think the whole purpose isn't coffee. The whole purpose is that you love one another. We're giving you an opportunity to minister to one another. But no, I've got to get my coffee because I'm running late for my ministry. Now ministry is not a title or a position it's the way we do one another. Second Corinthians 5.15, He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. I made a statement last Sunday which sounds offensive. And I said, you know, if we're truly saved and we don't want to do anything with our lives and serve, then we're not truly saved. And that sounds really harsh, but that's exactly what the Scripture says. Those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. We're saved to serve, not saved to sit. We're saved to serve, not saved to sit. And so love the Lord with all your, God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Is my worship upwards to God. You see the rich young ruler who's mentioned in Luke chapter 18 and God says, can you recite the commandments to me? He went the other way around. He quoted the six last of the commandments, but never quoted the first four. He talked about loving your neighbour and not committing adultery and all those other things, but he never mentioned about love the Lord thy God with all your heart. That's why Jesus said, well, then go and sell everything if you've done all that 
and come follow me and he couldn't do it. And so we either do the second six of the commandments and we miss the first four, although we become so charismatic that we wanna prophesy over everybody and have this great ministry, but we won't do the second six. And we need the whole 10 in that order. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. If the musicians can come, please, that'll be great. It'll just look like I'm finishing. <laughs> no, I am, I am. Very quickly, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always. You see, the Great Commission is about community engagement and connected discipleship. Go into all the world, connect with the world and be my voice in that world. That's the first part of the Great Commission. Can you imagine if every Christian did that, how big our churches really would get? If we went and did that once a year, one person come, we'd double in a year. And it's not about coming, it's about going. And as we go and build in the community, that's my heart. I'm discipling people in Adelaide that swear their heads off and they don't look like what a Christian should look like. But it's the great commandment that stirs me to fulfil the great commission because I want people to love God like I do because it works. And then he says, baptising them and teaching them to do all things. So love God with all your heart means Christianity needs to be spiritual. Love your neighbour as yourself means that is true ministry. Make disciples of all nations is community and teach them to do all things is proximity. That's where the church is going. I want to tell you, if we fulfil the great commandment where people love Jesus, how can I? What can I? Lord, how can I walk with You in a way that miracles happen in my life where I see You at work every day? And because I love You, I'm going to love everybody around me and every word I can speak. That's why I led someone to Christ not that long ago in a restaurant, a 19-year-old girl who wanted to kill herself, still serving Jesus today not because I'm a great evangelist, not because I'm awesome. It's just the great commandment to love the Lord thy God, to love my neighbour as myself. And the great commission is to be in my community and to stay in proximity and see Jesus come alive in a church with no walls, come alive in a community where we build bridges, not walls. Father, today, Please send your Holy Spirit to do something supernatural in our midst that creates in us a yes. Father, I cast out fear from that yes. Let joy come with that yes. Whether we carry the wood or whether we're carrying the burden, today, dear God, I pray, Please, God, as we're sitting here today, take away the lie of the enemy from our minds.
And let us see that serving you is the greatest privilege on earth. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 